Hello everybody and welcome to another Amblco podcast. Um, this week we're going to be continuing in our Made for Love series. We've done a number of podcasts um, which is a follow-up or an addition to our teaching on a Sunday and today I'm with Tim. Hello. So it's one of our Tim and Tim jingle. Da, 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 da. That's the one that was we spent all week working on that. <laughs> um, so and what we're going to be looking at is God's design for marriage. So should we just get straight in? We should. We should just. I'll just put in the 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 sermons are part one and part two, mostly marriage, and then and then this Sunday's sort of mostly sex. Yeah. This podcast is again mostly marriage, and uh, but but the next. Three, four, five podcasts are all going to be sex and stuff about. So it's, we should pick a new name, really. Like I don't know, <laughs> sex talk podcast. Let's not go there. But just so you know, so you, you know, so you know what's coming up, really. And Tim's just informed me about that that we're going to be doing four or five podcasts on sex. <laughs> so um, yeah, we look forward to what develops there. Anyway, so God's design for marriage. Thought, yeah, thought um, you gave a great introduction the other week, as Thank Tim you. says. If you want to. Um, follow up on that it's really good to make these podcasts complement the teaching so check that out it's on the website or on the podcast app Uh, and it was part one of marriage and sex as Tim said so just very quickly Tim just to get us into the flow you gave I think you said seven principles for God's design for marriage just take us through those really quick yep so these were drawn from tea texts in the bible but the headlines were so one marriage is God's creation his institution uh, secondly, that marriage is the foundation for all of human society. So whatever culture we live in, whatever time in history, marriage has always been designed as the building block for human culture. The third one is that uh, God has designed marriage to be the place where children are to be born and nurtured and raised. So it's God's intention that children grow up in the context of a marriage and the fourth point was was to say that one of the reasons for this not the only reason but one of the main reasons is um, that men and women both reflect the image of God but in complementary ways and so uh, uh, the uniting of a man and a woman in marriage creates the best environment to raise children because they see a, a fuller reflection of what God's like yeah. in their parents in the uniting of gender uh, the fifth uh, purpose of marriage in God's design is is partly to deal with the human struggle of loneliness. Um, like I said at the time, I know that raises questions then for single people. Yes. Am I condemned to be lonely forever? Um, and we'll sort of tackle that when we deal with singleness. But definitely it's partly to um, deal with loneliness. The sixth purpose is that marriage is designed by God to reflect the love of Jesus for his church and his people, so marriage reflects that. And seventh and finally, marriage reflects the faithfulness of Jesus. Is that okay? Is that's that fantastic? That's very brief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so obviously if anyone wants to know more about how those work out, a bit more depth, then check out the, uh, the uh, message that Tim gave. So I think you talked about how if, that, if we take those seven principles, then yeah. that can quite radically perhaps reshape Perhaps our view, but certainly culture's view of marriage, which I think yeah. you talked about in your sermon. You know, we often see the the design for marriage or the purpose for marriage is to make us happy, to yeah. meet all of our needs. How do you think seeing it in this way, you know, as you've just described, changes our view of marriage? 
Yeah, I'm passionate about this because I, I read a book a number of years ago by a guy, um, I think he was called Gary Thomas, I can't remember if that's exactly his name, um, on the, the sacred marriage. And his sort of main question he asked in the book is, what if marriage is more about making us holy than it is about making us happy? And, and that was a sort of game changer for me. And I think it, it forced me to wrestle with these principles more mm -hmm. that, you know, if marriage is God's idea and it's part of us becoming who we were created to be, then the sort of main task is that, that journey with God, really, even in the context of marriage. So, you know, to make it really practical, if, if me and Joe have a falling out about something or there's some disagreement, what if my first question is, what might God be doing in this to make me more like Jesus? What, what's God mm. saying to me in this that I need to change? Um, not just to keep Joe happy, that's sort of secondary, but, but what's God doing through this marriage to change me? Um, yeah. And I think if, if we can see our marriages more like that, um, that it isn't just about me and Joe trying to please each other, but it's about me and Joe being shaped by God through each other, that gives you a totally new mm. angle on all kinds of the ups and downs of married life, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? And I think um, what's interesting is the actual practical outworking of that. Yeah. So um, if, you know, sometimes we can see this, oh, but that's, that's theology or those are theories or whatever. Yeah. But I think some of these things are really important for how we then, as you say, react or or um, see situations that we're in. So maybe, what about practically? You've given yeah, one example yeah. there. How does this change how we practically um, react in our marriages or maybe how we approach marriage if yeah. we're looking to get married? Yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, approaching marriage first, um, it kind of it's well worth doing some really good thinking <laughs> before you get married and talking mm. to people. Um, because you know, if you go into marriage expecting that this person's going to solve your problems... You're in for a shock. <laughs> you know, you're likely to find your problems are only going to get worse and you've got a whole load of other problems as yeah. well. Um, whereas if you go into marriage kind of not only with your eyes open but kind of right before God... So I'll give you a practical example that me and Joe keep trying to learn. You know, we forget it and we try and learn the lesson again but sometimes, you know, I might get to a period where I feel like, oh, I don't think Joe appreciates me very much or, um, you, you know, I don't, I don't feel like my needs are really being met in this marriage in some ways. Now, sometimes we need to have a conversation about that and yeah. there's just some communication we need to have, but, but often we've realised I'm expecting Joe to do something that only God can do for me, really, that really this is about me feeling a bit insecure or me feeling like I just need this really yeah. solid love for who I am and if Joe has to provide all of that she'll crumble under the pressure you know and we've realized so often what I need is actually the perfect love that only God can give but because Joe's physically there in the house it seems easier to try and go to her and say will you love me please yeah, yeah. <laughs> please will you sort out my uh, you know my my deep hunger for love and affection um, and, and obviously to a, to a degree she can in marriage, but but really, just because she's there, she's not the answer. Yeah, yeah. The answer is, so that's really practically, we've had to, numerous times we've sat down and said, I'm really sorry, 
I think I've put this on you when this is about my walk with God, you know. I'll give you an example from me and Liz that's quite current actually, which is in a similar, it's probably the the other side of it, which is um, if you take some of the love language things, you know, and and sort of realising that actually um, the way that I love Liz some, is, is often the way I want to receive love as opposed to yeah. I think many of us would have heard some of that before anyway and realising that actually I can either I think at times I see that as Liz being really annoying or um, frustrating <laughs> which she knows um, but actually r- more recently sort of suddenly being reminded this is I don't think about this this way every day, hear me right, but an opportunity for me to grow yeah. in expressing love in a way that perhaps isn't natural for me or, or, or expands my capacity and my ability to love. So again, if I looked at it as this marriage is about making me happy, then this isn't making me happy because she's asking me to love her in a way that I don't want to love her. Yeah. Flip the sort of foundational belief, suddenly I realise this is God expanding me as a person, yeah. making me more like him, and um, and hopefully with his grace and mercy, renew, you know, making me more holy yeah. as opposed to happy. So it's another way. And some we can take a more dramatic example because I think... Um, Sometimes this becomes clearer the more extreme the suffering is in the marriage. Mm. Say, uh, there's a theologian called B.B. Warfield. He was, you know, very 100 years ago now. was very influential in his time. But he got married and his wife had some sort of accident on their honeymoon. Uh, part of me wants to say she was struck by lightning, but I don't think it is. Like, but something really bad happened to her and um, put her in a wheelchair for the rest of her life on their honeymoon, you see. And uh, her, her physical needs were such that he had to, he could only spend a couple of hours of time out of the house because of the care he had to give her. And um, if you take a situation like that, you could, if marriage is about making him happy, well, what does he do with that? You know, yeah. that's gone, yeah. really. He, um, but someone asked him later in life, you know, how did you manage to um, get so much of work done really the theology he wrote the books he wrote how did you manage to do this while you also cared for your wife in in that extremely demanding way and he said that um (laughs) he said that although his wife's suffering was great uh, he came to see that there was a gift of god to him through his wife's suffering to make him the sort of person that could serve god in the way he did through his writings and his teachings and you think you know, I'm sure that took him years of a journey with God to get to. But he had totally seen that this marriage was not primarily about making him happy or primarily about making his wife happy, but about doing something in both of them that made them kind of beautiful followers of Jesus. Um, you know, so those are the sort of profound examples. But I think in little ways we can move towards that, mm-hmm. even when most of us never face those kind of extremes. Yeah. Fantastic, Tim. That's yeah. really, really good. Okay. I think that's quite a nice place to go into um, some of the questions that we received. Yeah. Have you said all you want to say around God's so. design? Again, yeah. you know, listen to the other podcast if you want to hear a bit more in depth. I think there's some really good 
good stuff in there to get um, your head around and your heart around as well. But um, we have been encouraging people to ask questions, and we've got yeah. some. Way, but so, not as many as we thought. So if you're <laughs> listening to this and you've got questions, don't assume someone else will ask them. Yeah, and um, just to say as well, the Facebook um, group put questions on there. We'll pick them up and we'll address them either in our panel morning or in a podcast. So that's a great... Um, lead into this question because we were sent this question which says uh, whilst the bible is clear in calling us to a life of self-sacrifice so great yeah. example there um, that you've just given is there a point at which self-sacrifice is not healthy or beneficial to the long-term success of a marriage that is a great question and a really important one and i th- i think i know sort of the situations that might be in the mind of that person so we might imagine for example uh, one person in a marriage making all the demands yeah. uh, you know maybe it's a belligerent husband or something that it's my way or the highway and the godly wife thinks well this is all about me laying myself down for my spouse but those situations can become very abusive um, and uh, I'm sure we can all think of examples along those lines and say I would say, um, here's the way I would kind of put some guidelines around that in theory. I'd say, fundamentally, this is about being who God's created us to be. So in marriage, he shapes us to be more who he's created us to be, shapes us to be like Jesus. This is about becoming more like Jesus. So that's the grid, really, that you need to test these things through. So is this is the way the marriage is working at the moment, first of all, is it helping or hindering the other person to become Mm. all that Jesus has called them to be? Um, Say, if I'm always giving into the demands of a spouse and those demands are in the end really damaging for that person themselves, you know, like maybe they just wanna sit at home and not do anything. They want me to do all the work, provide all the money, get and they just become lazy and mm. fat and ill. And that's a, maybe a slightly childish example, but that's no good for them. Yeah. Me laying down my life to indulge them is not going to do them any good. So that's the first grid. And the other grid I'd say is about our long-term ability to love. So sometimes we can put up with something for a year or two, but in the long term, it's going to damage us so much we won't be able to love that person or God very well. So, um, you know, if my spouse speaks harshly to me all the time and I keep telling myself, oh, well, forgive, you know, lay your life down and don't make a big deal of it. But in five years' time, I'm going to be cold as a stone yeah. and I'm not going to be able to love them at all. Yeah. Um, so almost for my long-term ability to love this person... I need to think not just about self-sacrifice, but about, you know, who are we becoming? Who are we becoming in this marriage? That's Mm. a good question, isn't it? Mm. You know, to ask yourselves quite often, the way our marriage is working, who are we becoming as people? And if we're not becoming good people, and part of that is because one of us is kind of self-sacrificial in an unhelpful way, I think that's where I'd start to and a good book if if the, if you're kind of concerned that this might be an issue for you or for others a really good book is Boundaries in Marriage um, by uh, two Christian psychologists a guy called Cloud and a guy called Townsend and this Boundaries in Marriage book really goes into that saying yes this is about two becoming one 
but how do boundaries work mm-hmm. healthily in that kind of relationship and I think do you think some of it is down to our definition of love sometimes yeah, you know definitely. actually um, if you think about how you treat um, someone you love if you if you're loving them so if you think about maybe a child or somebody who's uh, perhaps you're looking after you know you wouldn't do everything for them yeah because you know that you know if I do everything for my kids they're going to grow up um, with entitlement uh, you know they're going to yeah. want everything done for them they're probably going to get lazy so I love them by challenging them sometimes I love them by pointing out when things aren't right yeah. so I guess some of this is about love isn't always to do sometimes self-sacrifice is challenging something because you know it's going to be hard yeah. and it's going to be a long conversation it's probably going to go into the night and it's actually easier not to love and have that conversation than it is to be self-sacrificial Definitely. ruin the evening but but go for the long-term love you know Definitely. So. I totally agree like you put it really well yeah yeah okay question number one yeah so should okay. we go to number two um during your sermon the other day you um you said marriage you, you described marriage Biblical marriage as being between one male and one female as God's design. Yeah. Um, for the raising of children, the fl- reflecting of the image of God, um, which you've just talked about a little bit there, um, just mm. there. But also, um, you did mention that those with same-sex attraction shouldn't feel that these feelings, I think I'm quoting you right, you said that they shouldn't feel that the feelings are sinful or shameful. That's right. Yeah. Um, and there is, um, I think what I sort of recognise is there's a possibility here of offending two sets of people. Yeah. So we're going to yeah. offend everyone. Yeah. You're going to offend perhaps those that maybe hold a traditional view. Yeah. Um, and you may offend those that are more on the liberal. Could you just describe how you hold that tension between those two, what might seem contradicting yeah. comments? Yeah, so these will be provisional statements because we've got in November our evening on sexuality yeah. questions. So we'll properly explore this issue then. But I think, I think I'll try and be a little bit clearer. Um, what I was trying to say really is that feelings in themselves are not sinful, whatever they are, whether they're feelings of anger or feelings of, you know, being very hurt or, or feelings of sexual attraction um, to someone of the same sex as yourself. Um, they are just there, like they just arrive and we don't choose for them to come, they just they're just there, aren't they? They're just things we feel. And uh, too often, we, we sometimes get the impression that our feelings are wrong and sinful and we should be ashamed of those. Um, well, and what I want to say is your feelings are just there. Let's be honest about it and talk yeah. about it. Like I, so a good analogy might be sometimes I feel sexual attraction for a woman who's not my wife. Like that just happens. I see a pretty woman and it happens. Um, There's no point sort of saying, oh, you know, what a terrible sinner I am because I've had that feeling. Um, But there's a big difference between having feelings and then what we do with them. And that's where I draw a distinction. And I'd say, again, we'll explore this more, but in short, you know, we we are clear that we think God's clear um, that marriage is for a man and a woman and, and therefore sex and you know, sexual intimacy is for a marriage between a man and a woman. So if we have same feelings of same-sex attraction, um, we have to, on the one hand, say, you be honest about those feelings. Yeah. There's nothing sinful or shameful about them. And we, you know, we want to talk about them. 
work out what that means for you and for us. But, but we don't then do what culture does, which says, well, whatever you feel must be okay to go and do what you like. You know, go and act out those feelings, go and have homosexual relationships. So that I think that's where we stand, if that's any clearer. We, we sort of say, no, God's design is, is for heterosexual marriage. But goodness me, we've all got feelings. <laughs> Just because yours with same-sex attraction doesn't make you any more sinful than, than me who doesn't have them. And, and so that's why I try to make the invitation really that if you do have feelings of same-sex attraction, I understand why you might think, I don't want to be honest about this in church, people will think I'm whatever. And I want to say, that's, that's fine, be honest about those feelings. I'll be honest about about my feelings that make me a bit uncomfortable and you can be honest about yours. Yeah. Is that clearer that or clear very, enough? Yeah, it's clear, mate. And I think, um, again, just to put that shout out for those, you know, often church has been a place where people have hidden that and, and yeah. pushed it down and that's no good to anyone really, you know, particularly the people um, who, are, who are walking through these things. So just to say, I think you put your email up, didn't you? Yeah contact us others talk about it you know obviously those that you trust and that you know you can talk to but don't struggle with these things alone yeah uh, it is for the church for us as a body and a family to walk through mm. these as tim says as with anything that we're walking through we do it better together don't we than, yeah. than on our own absolutely yeah. fantastic and just to say again the 7th of november we'll spend a whole evening looking at this so if you're wrestling with this from any of the viewpoints or any uh, positions then just make sure that's a priority and we'll get into some of the whys then as well you know yeah. why does god say that and uh, i get those questions are out there yeah. great fantastic so one more question and then maybe a summary so yeah. um you talked a lot about um the context of marriage being the sort of um the view of God that uh, it's the place where we raise children. Yeah. God's view, the design of God to raise children. However, the reality is that we live in a world and probably have always lived in a world where marriages end. Uh, yeah. They break down for whatever reasons. There is divorce. Um, perhaps there are single parents out there, yeah. step parents. And we live in a, a place where, um, a culture where there is a lot of different family setups. Yeah. So are you saying, Tim, that these families can't reflect God's design um, for marriage? And what's wrong with blended families, if you like? Yeah. 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 And, and say, so, yeah, I'll probably start, it might frustrate you, you but I'll, I'll probably start by saying, can we just recognise that none of us reflect God's design perfectly in a broken world? So, Very good. Yeah. You, you know, in in different ways, all, all of us, all <laughs> of us will fail to reflect the image of God as we should. Um, so that's sort of taken for granted. We're in the mess. Blah blah blah. We've said that a lot of times. Um, but but I would say we also sometimes because of the brokenness in our lives, we get a bit touchy about things. And um, for somebody to suggest that the way our life is may not be ideal or as God designed it, I understand we can feel a bit hurt or threatened by that. But hopefully if we can accept that we're all in it together and no one's judging anyone else, then we can also be honest together and say, come on, you know, there's a lot in my life that isn't really the way God wanted it originally. That's not his perfect design. And I would say that this is one of those things, really, that if a marriage is broken down and children are, are raised, uh, you know, by single parents, um, that person might be doing an amazing job in that context, 
but it's still not God's best design for how children should be raised. He, his intention is they grow up in the security of a home which has a mother and a father who are in a healthy marriage. Um, so I, I don't think it does us any good to say, oh, well, God didn't really design things that way. Um, so part of the answer is, yeah, I am saying that. I am saying that if we're not in that situation, that something of God's design is missing. But what I'm also saying is that God, like God is, makes a career out of helping people who have missed his perfect design. That's all of us. Say, so, you know, I fail in my parenting all the time. Yeah. I'm in a marriage, you know, with Jay. So in that sense, you know, there's something right and good for my children about that. But there's something not ideal for my children when I lose my patience and flip my lid. And... And I still have to trust that God's grace will cover my weaknesses and my failings. And, and I think if we're single parents or step parents, isn't that our prayer as well? Mm. That, like, Lord, I know that there's some parts of my life and the way that my children are that isn't ideal for them. It could have been different. It could have been better. In your grace, will you meet them? Will you cover the gap? Will you, you know, aren't we all doing that? I wonder if this is the tension of the gospel, really, isn't it? That you see in in the New Testament is this whole idea of grace coming, covering mistakes and the falling short and mm. the, the the sort of falling short of the law and all that, and then saying, "Oh well, none of that matters. I'll just carry on my life." And then those kind of books like James and yeah. One John, the, oh no no no, hang on, it's not about that, you know, and and. Is that sort of expressed through this, that actually God's grace, love and mercy covers every situation? And in many ways, it's worth saying, I suppose, it's not necessarily your past that is an issue, isn't it? You know, God yeah, comes yeah. to work with your past. And yeah. Actually, what matters is what choice do we make today? That's right. And how yeah. are we seeking? So God's grace covers this. However, that doesn't mean we then think, Oh, well, all things are equal. We'll throw it all out and, yeah. and live however we want to, that actually there is still God's best and his design for us. Is that yeah. tension reflected in marriage somehow? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it is. And, and um, you know, say kind of if we're in a marriage that's struggling, I think it's really important that one of the things we hear is if you've got children, kind of however hard it is for you, you've really got to... St- Partly, you've got to stay it for your children if you can. You know that should be a huge motivation. I know there's lots more to say, but it is that important. Yeah. Raising children in a, in a marriage is that important. It should be top of the list of our considerations in our relationship. So we need to hear that. But if we our marriage hasn't worked for whatever reason, we are single parents. We also need to hear it's not that all is lost is yeah. it you know yeah. that god can come and we can do a great job as single parents and you know obviously there are exceptions like there are some marriages that are terribly unhealthy places for children and they'd be much better with a single parent making good decisions say so again it's not it's not law is it? it's not box ticking yeah. but we are saying there is a plan god did have a design and wherever we are we look to his design and say yeah that is right that is good what's the best i can do yeah. to grow into god's plan whilst his grace covers my multiple mistakes in the process. I like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... That, did anything come up on the... Uh, we've had no questions, no questions on, on Facebook, uh, Live. Facebook Live. So, so yeah, just so for our podcast listeners, so we are going out on Facebook Live, so... 
no questions as yet. Great. Uh, but we can, I'm sure we'll pick some up after this and, uh, and do those in another podcast. So anything to finish, Tim? Any final thoughts, reflections? I just, um, not particularly other than like, this, the, all these things still feel like conversation starters rather yeah. than conversation enders, don't they? So, like, I just encourage you to really engage more. We're, like We've got sacks coming up over the next few weeks and that is massive. So engage in that. But like again, I think I'd probably make the same plea that if you're in a marriage where you've got questions or challenges, like, really think about getting some input, whether that's mm. reading, mm. listening to a latest stuff, getting someone to come and help you you know it's so important aren't they marriage is so important in the economy of God it's worth us giving everything we've got to to um, to get him in there fantastic well thanks Tim appreciate your time Um, yeah make sure you check out the future podcasts from uh, Made for Love and uh, we'll see you soon